Welcome to Water Spout, brought to you by the St. John's River Water Management District. Water Spout offers a behind-the-scenes look at how we conduct our work, the research, the projects, our partnerships, and most important, how we serve the community by balancing the needs of water for the environment, businesses, and the people in the Sunshine State. Welcome to this episode of Water Spout. I'm your host, Tiffany Cowie. And today I'm joined by Gary Foster to talk about the district's well plugging program. Since the 1980s, the district has plugged almost 3,000 wells, resulting in millions of gallons of day saved. Gary, thank you so much for joining us today. Glad to be here. Tell me a little bit about your background and what made you fall in love with science that inevitably ended you with uh, the well plugging program. As a child, I always dabbled in all kinds of science experiments and electronics and different things. And when I grew up, I, I took multiple career paths from building contractor to later on becoming um, radiation protection, health physics work. And through that, you know, just the desire of science kept me going and interested. And um, my uh, moving back to, to Florida, I, I was trying to find a more permanent career in a station. And so I went back to school and retrained in geology and then got my um, master's in hydrogeology and uh, have been uh, started out in consulting work for a few years and then a position opened at the district and I've been here since 2003. Well, we're lucky to have you. So we'll spend the majority of time talking about well plugging. So I think it's only fitting we start with what is an artesian well? Artesian well, it is... Um, it's dealing with confined aquifers, and it, and when you think of it in a kind of a more of a layman's term to get a little better understanding is the Florida is is a higher elevation towards the center of the state, and so as you're heading towards the coast, you have uh, the lower elevations and along the rivers, and that's um, that's the aquifers follow that line. They follow those form as it's heading down to the ocean. So what happens is it's a potentiometric surface when the um, when the water level in the well reaches the potentiometric surface, which is the aquifers start up at the higher elevations and and they're in a confined situation. So the potentiometric surface is here. You have a well here on the coast. The potentiometric surface from up here will uh, will create water to flow at the well the well head. So it makes it free flowing. Free flowing, and um, so artesian well can be in an artesian condition, or it also can be in free-flowing. It's just when the level of the water in the well is higher than the, than the aquifer itself. And when that happens, right. what are some of those concerns? Why would people be concerned about a free-flowing well on their property? Well, first of all, you're wasting, you know, millions of gallons a, a year in w water free-flowing throughout the state. And uh, second of all, you could get cross-contamination between the aquifers, and um, through through well degradation over time, and but the main portion is the valuable drinking water supply that we we are wasting when this occurs. And our drinking water, for those who maybe aren't familiar in the state of Florida, primarily comes from that Florida aquifer. Beneath us, I think it's like ninety percent of our drinking water comes from beneath us. So we are trying to protect it when yes. we plug a free flowing well. So how do we go about plugging a free flowing artesian well? Well, it's a it's a plug using a type one or two Portland cement, and it's a it's a um, it's pure it's pure cement, no aggregate or anything involved. 
they run a, a PVC trimmy line down to the bottom of the well. Then we start pumping cement down from the bottom and 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 pull back up to the surface, completing a, a complete uh, cement fill from the bottom to the top of the well. So I imagine it takes different times depending on what the situation is. But on average, how long would you say that process takes? Oh, that's that. Here's the, you could take, it could be uh, three to four hours, or it could be three days. That's the, the difference. We've had a two-inch well that were four bags of cement in the bed of the well, and it was good to go. And we've had other two-inch wells where they backed up cement trucks, two or three cement trucks, and, and abandoned that. So you're dealing with things that are unseen, so you never know the conditions. So every time you go to a site, and, and what you, you don't know what you're up against. So you've got to determine and figure that out as you're going along. What would a landowner be looking for to know if they don't see the water flowing or springing from the ground? How could they know that there's one and a potential concern on their property to alert you about? Um, that's tough because some of them are, are buried and they don't even know exist. But usually what occurs is the ground around it starts getting damp because the, there's a break in the well casing somewhere and and it starts out just with damp ground and usually starts building over time to, as the water erodes the side of the casing and starts flowing out. So that sounds like you're talking about wells somebody else drilled. Are there other occurrences where they're actually naturally occurring and we're plugging them to save the water? Or are, they, are they all man-made? They're all man-made. I mean, a natural occurrence would probably be a spring. Mm-hmm. So, um, but uh, I was trying to think. Well, so these are man-made wells, so that, that means you, you might know about it, or at least it's in an area where it was somewhat developed, even if it's for agriculture, that you know, there was a use for it in the past, so maybe a little easier to locate. Um, some of them are, but due to when they change over these ag fields, um, a lot of this through construction process, they'll get buried and, and are unknown to us till the homeowner hits them or somebody else hits them. A contractor is notorious for hitting these unforeseen wells and bringing them to our attention. And um, in certain counties like Brevard and Indian River, there's a lot of homeowner wells and things like that that are everywhere. And the homeowners have had them for years and haven't really used them since they've been connected to public supply and things like that. So they've, they've kept them because nobody wants to get rid of anything. But uh, over time, they're they're all starting to fail because they're... 50 to 80 years old. And I imagine it's probably concerning because, of course, there's not a cost, a financial cost associated with these free-flowing wells. Of course, we would say there is an environmental impact. What does that look like to you? The environmental impact? Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's the, you know, degradation of your water supply uh, and also the uh, possibility of contaminant, cross-contamination between aquifers and things like that. So, like, if you've got a well that's in a deeper a deeper aquifer with uh, saline, high, higher saline conditions, and it's leaking and encasing problems, and it's bringing that that saline water up into the more drinkable water. So that can be a big issue. Mm -hmm. So being a good steward for everybody. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back after this message. The St. John's River Water Management District is committed to preserving and protecting Florida's water resources for generations to come. From improving water use efficiency and reclaiming water for reuse, to managing water resources in times of wet and dry periods, 
The St. John's River Water Management District is taking action on conserving Florida's precious waters. To learn more, visit sjrwmd.com. Welcome back to Waterspout. I'm your host, Tiffany, and today I'm joined by Gary Foster. We're discussing the well plugging program here at the district. With more than 7 million acres of publicly and privately owned land within the district's boundaries, finding abandoned wells is the biggest challenge, as most free-flowing wells are on private property. Thank you, Gary, again for joining us. So we do have some uh, wells that we find on district property, which I imagine would be a priority if we find that. Talk to me about that. Uh, we've, uh, we work with uh, um, all of our land managers and things like that and taking care of priority wells on, on district property. also work with um, Division of Forestry and things like that on state property. So, I mean, we just finished abandoning a six-inch well on, uh, on um, Bronson, Bronson Wildlife Management Area. And uh, that becomes intensive sometimes trying to get to these areas because they're, they're off, often um, out in fields and out in kind of marshy areas, and it's tougher to get cement trucks and things like that out to that location. And then there are also wells on private land. And so I imagine you then rely on uh, residents to call those in? Yes, I do. It's, uh, uh, it's important. And then some of the things I would, would hope that the residents would be a little more, a little proactive with, with it because they get in trouble sometimes waiting. Because, I mean, it's, it's human nature if it's not broke to fix it. Mm -hmm. So they, you know, they'll wait till something occurs, but sometimes it's, it's a little more drastic and a little more problematic for them when it does occur and it becomes an emergency. And we try to, we try to uh, get them to notify us as soon as possible because we're not in emergency services, but we try to respond as fast as we can. Is that then an expensive process for a resident to undertake? Very expensive if it's an emergency service and they have to call a contractor in. Yes. What if they call in advance and give the district a heads up and we learn about it? The, the cost is uh, zero to the homeowner. And, and that's the reason we've done that, because um, the importance we place on, uh, you know, abandoning these wells and preserving the water supply. Talk to me about, you've talked about a couple of different, uh, like a six-inch pipe, for example. Most of us who don't live in your world, what kind of water use does, does that look like? Well, I'll give you one of the biggest ones we've done this year. It was a 16-inch well, uh, and uh, it's 3,000 gallons a minute flow. So when we, we were flooding parking lots and it was an old fire suppression well that we abandoned this year. And so there was a little over 3,000 gallons a minute, which is over four, four NGD a day. Four so, millions of gallons yeah, a day yeah. of water. And the, the field it was next to was flooded, parking lots. I mean, we were able to abandon it, but, it, you know, that's kind of the large end of the spectrum of what we deal with and uh, all the way down to two inch. And our, our other one was on the mos, what uh, mosquito control well, possibly. We weren't sure identified, but it was in, um, in the uh, marsh wetland on the coast, and we actually had to build a road to get to it to abandon it. So we've, we've been doing all kinds of things, trying to get. We have wells that we're still trying to get to that are often uh, wildlife areas and things like that that are just, there's no roads or anything to them. You've been doing this for a while, working with the well abandoning program. About how many wells do you think the district has plugged? Well, we've plugged over 3,000 for the district. I mean, 
uh, just last year alone, we plugged 157 wells, which is quite a record for us for a while. And uh, I think the largest number they had was back when the program started up earlier was maybe 190-something. But th that was a huge amount for, and it took, it was a, quite a venture. It is, but when I hear you say it could be very expensive for a homeowner to let it go and become an emergency, but if they reach out early on, the cost is literally yeah. zero. Zero. So what does that process look like if somebody is listening and realizing, well, we do think we have a free-flowing well and we're ready to get it taken care of? What are the steps to do that? Well, the easiest way for them, if they have a web access, the internet, they can go to sjrwmd.com, get to that website, go to the bottom of the page on the right, you'll see a, a well showing a leaking well, and you click on that, it'll take you right to our abandonment page. On that page, they have a um, report a free-flowing well, and the any homeowner or anybody can click on that and put in their information and report it, and it goes to Janine, and the process starts. So would they, they'd expect to get a phone call then to They'll follow a up? Call from Janine, follow up, and then she'll ask them questions and she'll document further and then it'll come to me. And no strings attached, no cost associated. Attached, no cost. And from a, a district mission perspective, how important is this program? I think it's very important for the, the money spent uh, when you compare it to the, the amount of MGD saved. So it's, it's the most cost-effective program out there. Um, and it's also, um, it's also I mean, it, it's rewarding to me because I see the, the happy customers when, they, when we relieve this, of this problem, and most of them because of leaking wells and things like that, that they're distraught and come in and we come in and help them out. I love that you get to be part of that. You're in some ways making people's dreams come true. I imagine if I found that and didn't know there was a free program, Right, that's a burden on your budget, and you're saying we've got this. We'll take care of you. Thanks for taking care of the water supply. Right, and the main reason we that was the the aspect of we charged a minimal fee in the beginning, but it was still prohibitive to some customers. So the, and it, and what's our what are we trying to accomplish? We're trying to get this flowing water stopped. So, and we can come in and take care of things a lot faster and move a lot better by working it this way. So it feels like there is a push, an outreach push to reach more customers and to have them come in to continue to plug the number of wells. Do you personally have a conviction that you want to see those numbers go up? Oh, yes. Uh, and, and we pushed really hard last year. And and this year we're renewing, getting used to some of the new contracts, but we're renewing it and we're trying to trying to get those new contracts out and, and get more contractors involved and get and, and take care of everybody as soon as we can. Thanks for what you do. It makes a difference. Thank you. Thanks so much, Gary. And thank you for taking the time to listen to our conversation today. We hope you'll tune in for our next episode of Water Spout. If you enjoyed what you heard, be sure to subscribe so you have firsthand access to future content. Until next time, use your water wisely. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Water Spout. To hear more episodes, find us on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Connect with the district on social media or visit sjrwmd.com for more information on today's topic.